Welcome to the Daddy Saturday podcast. I'm your host, Justin Batt. I'm also the founder and chief dad officer of Daddy Saturday and the Daddy Saturday Foundation, where it is our goal to equip and engage 10 million fathers in the next 10 years to end the fatherlessness epidemic. We use this podcast as a way to reach dads, to help them with tips and tricks and hacks for how to be a more intentional and engaged father to raise good kids that become great adults. The people we have on this show, they are entrepreneurs, they're business leaders, they're physicians, they're celebrities, they're athletes, and they're everyday dads just like you and me at the same time. And it's that collection of wisdom that's going to help us all move forward in fatherhood together. Today's guest, I'm so excited to announce, but before we do that, I want to make sure I always remind you to subscribe to the podcast so you can get updates of who we have on next. We've got a stacked lineup of incredible guests, and this is my first real official guest, so I am honored and privileged to introduce him. He's been a friend, a mentor, someone I look up to not only in the business community, but as a leader, and more importantly, as a husband and a father. So it's my pleasure to introduce to you Alan Young. Alan Young is the founder of so many startups, I can barely name them all, but I'll, I'll name a couple. He's the founder of Shelf Genie Franchise Systems, Outback Guttervac Franchise Systems, Thundervac Technologies, and most recently 10x5, which is an incredible company that's helping other businesses scale 10 times or 10x within five years. Alan also is a former military and Alan served in the U.S. Army. So, Alan, thank you for your service. And um, Alan's a very active member in YPO as well, the Young Presidents Organization. Many of you are familiar with that. So, Alan has a great business life, and he's been a phenomenal entrepreneur. But the one thing I enjoy about Alan, he's also a thrill seeker. And Alan spends time doing some of the craziest stuff. And we're going to hear about that here in the podcast today. Most importantly, Alan is a husband to his incredible wife, Teresa, and he's also got a son, Paige, which we're going to talk about today as well. So without further ado, Alan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I, I love what you're doing, Justin. Love following all that you're doing with Daddy Saturday. I get a ton of great ideas and it's really inspiring what you're doing and how you're inspiring other fathers to engage more. Well, thanks, Alan. I, I really appreciate that. And as collective fathers who are in this fight for fatherhood together, it's great to have um, accountability and peers that we can surround ourselves with. So, Alan, you know, as you think about as Father's Day is right on the horizon in a couple of days, and you think about your role as a father, uh, maybe just give us a, a quick story of your fatherhood journey and where you are today in that. Well, first of all, I think uh, for me, I was fortunate because I had such a great role model and a great father to, to look at who was very engaged, always there for me, always encouraged me. I think that's one of the things I try to do is you know, I, I don't remember a time growing up where I didn't want to do something or was challenged doing something where my dad and my mom were just so supportive. And, and basically the message I got day after day throughout my entire childhood is, and even after that, leaving the house is you can do anything you want to do. And from engaging with other fathers and hearing what you know success looks like uh, with other fathers that I talk about or talk with, you know, that's a common theme that, you know, as a parent, encouraging your children and letting them know they can do anything they want to do. But the other message is, you know, that I try to relate to my son is, but it takes hard, it's hard work. Um, it's not talent. Um, anything you want to do, you can do, but you, you're going to have to put a lot of hard work into it uh, to do that. So I think those are the two messages, um, especially the you know, supportive message that I got from my father 
that I'm trying to pass along to my son as well. Yeah, you've um, you've shared your father's story with me, and he's he's got an incredible story. And you would certainly be someone that I would call a legacy father, right? You had a great heritage that was passed on to you in terms of fatherhood, and you've now carried that on to your son and, and even taken it to the next level. You know, one of the things, Alan, that, that you mentioned that I thought was very interesting is the whole concept of you can do anything. And in our society today, uh, that's taken sometimes in different ways, where there are some folks in our society that literally feel like they can do anything, right? It would be the evidence of the people that are on American Idol, where they show up and they can't sing. They're terrible, yet they think they can sing and they think they're the best in the world because no one's ever told them otherwise. So you counterbalance that by saying it takes hard work and it isn't just talent. So what would you say to those fathers out there that are trying to help their children embrace the fact that, yeah, you can do anything, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you should do everything? Yeah, I think you know it's you know one of the things I, I also try to get across and and teach, and I think we all know this as parents. It's easily said, but it's very hard to do. Is encouraging your child to fail, um, and embrace failure and learn from it. So I think the example we gave about American Idol, um, a lot. I think a lot of people fall in that category. They're just not, you know, great singers. I think it's something you can work on, and if you're super passionate about it, I think I think you can get there. But you know, when you fail, you learn. And that's the other thing that both my wife and I have tried to do. And, and I do want to mention, you know, when I talk about being a father, I don't think you can, it's very difficult to be a, a great father without a great partner and a spouse and a mom, because I, I think that just goes very well together. So it's a team sport for sure. Um, but we really, you know, try to encourage our son to fail and learn from that and grow. So I think that's a big part of uh, figuring out what you want to do and, and, and going through that, that, that journey. So we try to, especially when he was younger, he's 16 now, let him try everything. I mean, we've got a piano keyboard, we've got a guitar, we've got golf clubs, we've got all this, all this gear from things he tried uh, from a very young age all the way up until, you know, recently still trying some new things. But I think that exploration time frame where they get to try, try things things that they don't do very well or things they're not passionate about and help them, you know, find that, that area. And I think where you fall into the potentially into that American idol singer mode or, you know, whatever different kind of path they go down. A lot of those stories, if you look at the background, their parents kind of pushed them into one lane and, you know, whether it's swimming, being the best swimmer and, and they didn't have a lot of either choice because they're pushed into it or options. So they kind of fall into a lane where they may not be passionate about it, uh, may not be something that they're really interested in, and they're not really allowed to kind of fail and go, this isn't for me, and I want to try something else. So many great points in there, Alan. And, and the one thing I'd love to dig a little bit deeper on is this concept of, of fail, learn, and grow that you mentioned, and the importance of failure, especially in youth. Um, we've now seen this trend where, especially in the millennial generation, you're finding these kids that are now adults and they've never experienced failure in their life, at least to any significance. And so they don't have the coping mechanisms of how to deal with failure in adulthood and it can be catastrophic. In fact, um, recently there was a, a shooting at a school in Charlotte and the, they traced it back to the fact that the, the child, the kid that did the shooting um, had failed a test and he'd never failed with any significance in his life. And he literally, I'm not saying that was the whole reason, but it was a part of it. And so he overreacted with extreme violence as a result of experiencing failure in adulthood, not having experienced that in his youth. So how do you teach your son to, to embrace that concept of fail, 
learn and then to grow from it? Yeah, I think you just have to, every example, when they're, when something goes wrong, having that conversation and kind of reframing, um, I think as a leader, uh, I think the number one job as a leader to be effective is reframing adversity, because that's really, the leader's only really needed when things aren't going well. Um, anybody can kind of lead an organization or a group of people when things are going well, because everybody's kind of walking along or running along in the same path. And I think it's the same thing for being a parent is teaching your child whether they're going to be a leader when they grow up. And I think everybody's a leader at some area or capacity to have the ability to reframe adversity because, you know, failure and adversity are really the only opportunities you have in life. And taking those moments to look at where things failed, didn't go well, and teaching them how to kind of flip it around and go, what's the opportunity here? How can I learn from it? How can I grow? How can I get better based on this? And so it's really a skill that you can teach them to do in, in every area of their life. And it's just a matter of taking the time to have those conversations and being very intentional about it. Yeah, it's so good, Alan. And, and, and I know you and you're someone that really embraces this principle that we talk about in the book, Daddy Saturday, around far more is caught than taught. And you're someone that clearly is, is so seasoned and successful in the business world. But you've also recently taken up some more adventurous opportunities, we'll call them, through paragliding and through free diving. And what are you hoping that that Paige catches out of those opportunities by watching you do some of these extreme activities and push yourself and even maybe take on a risk or embrace some danger? Yeah, I think there's two things. One, just getting out of your comfort zone. So that's one of the things we talk about a lot. And he's embraced that, I think, through watching my example. I think that's really, if you're not leading by example or walking the walk, I think, you know, my wife gives me a lot of advice about being a great father. And, you know, one thing she's told me over the years is he's going to do what you do, not do what you say. So I, I always have that in my, my head. And, you know, basically leading by example and showing him what it's like to get out of your comfort zone and sharing what you learn when you do that. So he's he's embraced this idea of not just failing, but getting out of your comfort zone, because that's typically where you do fail. If you're very comfortable doing it, it's very normalized and you're typically very good at doing it. So just teaching him how to get out of his comfort zone and and to the point where he's embraced it. I think it was Tim Ferriss. I don't know who exactly I heard this from, but they had a concept. They were talking about getting out of your comfort zone. One of the exercises is if you get really good at doing it, that skill, you can walk into a Starbucks, lay down on the floor be completely still for five minutes. Don't say anything to anybody. Get up, stand in line, order a coffee, get it and leave while not explaining your actions at all. And <laughs> my son just loves that story. And, you know, and this is pretty early on when we were talking about getting out of your comfort zone. So um, it wasn't something that he was kind of into. And now every time we go to a Starbucks or near a Starbucks, he's like, dad, let's go lay down on the floor and do it. And and I'm one who likes to get out of my comfort zone. And it's pretty pretty funny how he he would do that in a heartbeat. And that's not something I'm comfortable doing and probably never will be. <laughs> but he's totally he totally embraced that idea and anything that I'm doing from a sports perspective, whether it's paragliding, free diving, he's he's learning he he's already started his journey and uh, getting ready to get his paragliding, power paragliding license, which um, is definitely get out of your comfort zone. But I think also, especially when it comes to sports and things that that could be dangerous, teaching him the skill to mitigate risk. So anything I do that's, you know, along those lines of what we just talked about, if you do it right, if you train and you and you go through the training to do it safely and properly, 
almost any of those things, all the things I do, you can mitigate the risk where it's not risky anymore. And that's one of the things I learned in the military. We would do a lot of things in our training and in operations that were very dangerous. But the military is very good at mitigating the risk, especially in a training environment. So they want you to learn that skill, be able to do that thing that's dangerous, but they, they want to make it as safe as possible. And so many things in life, whether physical or otherwise, if you take the time to step back and figure out how do we mitigate the risk so this becomes not a risky thing and a safe thing to do, um, that's another skill that I want to teach him on, whether it's physical or otherwise, how to mitigate risk. Alan, that is so good. And and I think myself and our listeners will never walk into a Starbucks again without thinking about someone laying down on the floor. I love that. Um, and maybe next time you and I are together, we'll have to try that and see what the result is. Huh. You'll probably do it with my son Paige first because <laughs> he's definitely into it. I'm still trying to wrap my head around that, but definitely a goal to uh, to do. Cause, and I think the point of that was if, if you can feel comfortable doing that, and especially with, you know, non, when we're talking about non-physical, um, you know, those are the things I think we're challenged with the most is how do we get uncomfortable, get in uncomfortable situations with other people around. That's such a great skill where whether it's walking into a networking event or interviewing for a job or doing something around people where you're not comfortable being there and just kind of pushing through it. We've all been there and we all know that after you do it, you look back on it and it wasn't nearly as bad as you thought. In fact, you know, what comes out of that is usually very positive things. It's exactly right. And and I've embraced this concept in my life that is all about how do you make yourself comfortable being uncomfortable and constantly look for ways daily, if not multiple times a day to put yourself in that situation. And one of the things that I found that works for me is cold showers and pushing myself in there. I don't want to every day, but I force myself to get in there and it's still miserable every time I do it. It doesn't really even get easier, but it's that fact of making myself uncomfortable and knowing that I accomplished that, it makes it easier when I do come up against obstacles or confrontation later on in the day. So when you think about the, the fathers that are out there listening, they may, they may hear this and be like, you know, everybody already thinks I'm extreme and weird. And they're probably starting to put you in that same camp, which in my eyes, isn't a bad thing. But what would you say to the fathers out there who are looking at this going, you know, Alan paraglides and Justin takes cold showers and what are some practical ways that, that you found or advice you'd give to help those fathers make themselves and then help their kids be more comfortable being uncomfortable? Well, I think you just have to be observant. And, uh, and that's another thing, again, I try to teach my son is to be curious. And a big part of being curious is observing. So if you're observing uh, yourself and trying to regulate yourself where you're at and being present in the moment, you're going to be very aware of the things you're uncomfortable with. And those, you know, I, I look for any times like that where I can see where I'm uncomfortable. And those are really the opportunities I'm looking for and just embracing them. And I'm glad you mentioned cold showers because I went immediately to my head. I did that for about three months. I uh, did the Wim Hof method. And I thought, you know, I, at the time, and I don't know if you've been doing it consistently from the time you started, but I did it for three months and I didn't realize how, comfortable I was getting doing that while it's never purely comfortable. And I, and I think that's the other myth is, you know, if you get out of your comfort zone, that the things you're doing are going to turn into completely comfortable. That's usually not the case. Um, every time I take off and I'm flying um, or land or, or dive down to over hundred feet on one breath it, there, there it, or give a speech in front of people. That's probably one everybody can relate to ask any speaker 
who speaks, you know, even 200 times a year in front of large audiences, do they get a little nervous? Are they a little bit uncomfortable when they get up on stage? And the answer is absolutely yes. But, you know, if you can mitigate it down, again, to risk management, also mitigation, if you can mitigate it down to where you're slightly uncomfortable, that's really good because that's really the energy and the push that you have to to engage and do do better every time you do it. Yeah, that is such an astute point. And, and it really is. It's about finding that middle ground where you don't ever want to get completely comfortable, as you're saying. You want to stay on and have a little bit of an edge where you're just slightly uncomfortable. You get that little bit of a butterfly in your stomach that's going to make you go forward and produce the best result. And that's a, it's a fine line and, and it's a happy medium when you do certainly achieve it. Yeah. And if I'm uncomfortable, if I'm completely comfortable doing some of the things, the physical things I do, that's extremely dangerous. If you look at a non-physical thing, like standing up in front of a group of people and speaking, if you're completely comfortable, there's not that little bit of an edge that you talked about, then you're essentially going to phone it in. You're going to stand up and just kind of phone it in. So I think uh, maintaining that, but managing it to a point where you can put your arms around and use it as fuel to do better and be engaged versus being paralyzing. And I think that's where, that's that's the chasm you're trying to cross from it, being a paralyzing uncomfortable. I couldn't do it. I'm going to freeze up to, I feel comfortable enough doing this. And I have learned to take that small amount of discomfort and use it as fuel to, to do better and grow. So great, Alan. So one of the things that you, that I know you have a book coming out and your book is all about disruption. And when you think about the, the, the age that we live in today and the, the age of fatherhood that we're in today, there is certainly a need for disruption and the way that the father is being viewed in the eyes of, you know, they're calling it dad shaming now. And just this kind of vision of a, of a lazy, apathetic, disengaged father. Um, certainly that is, that is an image and that is a stereotype and potentially a reality that needs to be disrupted. So when you look at, at fatherhood today, is there, is there one, two, maybe three things that stand out to you where you would say, this is something that we just need to disrupt in the way that fatherhood is either viewed or in reality? Well, yeah, I think it's really, and uh, in, in my book is called Disruptable, and it's not as much about disrupting externally. I think everybody kind of gets that. We talk about a lot. That's really kind of the basis of innovation. But it's really that internal disruption, because if you're focused on disrupting yourself, then those positive attributes of disrupting industries and thinking out of the box and getting others to get out of their comfort zone. I think you know the skill I want to teach my son and what I try to do every day from an example standpoint is constantly disrupting myself, not getting out of my comfort zone, being okay with failing, figuring out who I am, understanding my biases and how I can change my beliefs. That's another thing that I've learned that probably 10, 15, 20 years ago, I I didn't get or didn't embrace is that your your beliefs can change and that's okay because that's what learning's all about. So teaching that those sorts of things to my son are are huge. And you know the other things that I would say is you know number one my wife gave me great advice um, probably about five or six years ago as my son was getting into the preteen age and she said you know if you keep want to keep engaging with your son and have this relationship you built is you got to shift from taking them around, doing all the things that you like to do. Because when they're little, they just kind of go along with you and they're with dad and everything's great and kind of come up with the agenda. But I, once he became a preteen, I had to shift based on the advice she gave me and it worked great to being present where he's at 
and finding things that he likes to do, um, engaging with him there versus trying to drag him around doing all the things that, that I want to do. And the other thing that uh, I think is really important as a father uh, is, is engaging them where they're at and creating a safe environment uh, where they can open up and they can share things with you. And, and that's probably, I think, the toughest thing about being a parent, being a father, is how do you balance creating that safe environment where they can open up and share not just their mistakes, like something that they went out and tried and they didn't do very well with, and you can encourage them to kind of push through that and learn, but the mistake that they make that we kind of cringe as a parent, um, things that maybe they did wrong uh, that they shouldn't have done, the things that kind of fall in that punishable zone, I think those are the things where, you know, I want him to be able to open up and say, come to me and say, hey, I did this, and, and creating that safe environment. Even some of the things he does that he admits to um, are things that we have to kind of address from that's not right and, and a consequence. And, and that, I think that's another thing that's very difficult as a parent is how do you balance teaching them, but also teaching them that there are consequences. And one of the things I always go to whenever there's some form of a punishment, whether he's losing his phone or not being able to play Xbox. And I, I think, and, and now he's, you know, driving and getting a car. Uh, we look at all those things as things are okay for him to engage with, but they're great tools to take away uh, because there are consequences to it. And, you know, that's, that's one of the things I say over and over to him is, especially as he's having some things taken away and there's consequences in the home for things he's done wrong, that these are light consequences. If you don't learn these lessons now, and that's why I want to teach them to you, when you go out in the real world, the consequences are orders of magnitude above and beyond. So being respectful to adults and people of authority, if you don't get that, you get pulled over on the side of the road by a police officer, you're going to find yourself in handcuffs, getting uh, getting your head pushed down in the, uh, the backseat of a car. Um, that Those are things that I want to make sure he understands because the consequences, once they get out of the home, uh, just are exponential. And that's, you know, I want him to learn, but I want him to learn in a, in a safe, controlled environment. Alan, that is so good. And, and I, I think for our listeners, just to zoom in on that for a minute, it's imperative. It goes back to the concept we were talking about of, of failing early and embracing failure at, at a young age in youth and being the guide to help your child through those situations to learn from them because, Failure at eight or even 16 is a lot different than failure at 28 or 38 when it really matters. And if they don't learn those consequences early on and the consequences of mistakes or failures, then they certainly are going to learn the hard way later on in life or have the potential to do so. So great point. And I think it brings this conversation full circle around the importance of not being the hero to your child, being the guide, letting them be the hero of their own story and experience success and failure with you guiding them through that process and, and the framework you provided of failing, learning, and growing as a result. Yep. And, and I think the hero piece is, is huge. Um, and, and no one likes to hear stories. I think everything, the way you teach, whether you're a leader or talking to your kids, is through storytelling. That's how people learn the most and get engaged. And there's no such thing as a compelling story where everything went right, where the person in the story was the hero. It's all about you know, the failure, what they learn from it, those are engaging stories. So I think it's having the courage to be vulnerable with your child and tell them about times where you made mistakes. Those are my son's favorite stories. He has me tell over and over again. When I share something I did wrong when, as a kid uh, and, and the consequences of that and what I learned from it, he loves those stories. He loves to tell them over and over again. He's always looking for more. 
and it's it's difficult to do and in fact you you also have to worry about and and deal with the fact that some of those stories can kind of come back to haunt you so he recently got um his first c um in school and you know when we're talking to him about that and the importance of being engaged and 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 being a good student because that's what you know makes you successful going forward I shared with him how I was a horrible student and I got lots of C's, I got some D's, I didn't do very well in school. And he kind of brought that back around to me. And those are great conversations to have as well, because you want your child to learn from your failures. So, you know, then you can have the conversation about these are things that I went through instead of you having learned the hard way, like I did, I want to share those stories with you. So you don't have to learn from your, only from your mistakes. You can learn from the mistakes I made, learn from the mistakes from others. Man, that's so good. And my, I can totally relate to that. My kids love not only to hear about my failures, they even more love to see my failures. And on many of our Daddy Saturdays, I'm, I'm like the least handy guy in the world. And so I try to build things that are way outside my, my scope of talent and end up falling short. And those are some of my kids' favorite memories to look back and to laugh on. And um, they create great moments together. And, and I think your point about being vulnerable in front of your kids is so important. And, I, you know, I, I know you and and I think our listeners can probably also tell that in my eyes, Alan, that comes because you're also secure in yourself and you've dealt with a lot of those insecurities. And I think as a father, that's a big piece of being able to be vulnerable is overcoming some of those fears or insecurities of always being perfect in front of your kids because you are your kid's hero and you always will be. And if you do the things you're describing, then you'll you'll move into the role of that guide, which is all the more important for children. Absolutely. Well, Alan, it's been a tremendous conversation. I've only got uh, two more questions for you, a lighter question than something I'd love for you to li- leave our listeners with. So the lighter question is a question I ask everybody on this show, and it's spontaneous on the spot. And, you know, there is no right or wrong answer. It's simply we want to hear your creative juices and what you think. So the question is, if you had a boat, and I'm talking a big boat, like a yacht, what would you name your boat? <laughs> I, I think epic fail is probably uh, the first thing that comes to mind, because I think the epic fails are the great stories that we just talked about, where everybody's interested in hearing about. It's not a, a small micro failure that everybody can kind of relate to. It's one they can't relate to yet, uh, but those are the ones that, that I love to talk about. And those are the funny stories. I mean, if you can... If you can humble yourself and be self-deprecating and learn that that's what that's where people learn from and it's the epic fails that they're the stories that kind of last that's that's probably what i would name my boat oh i love it you just set the bar so high for our future guests because you know that's like the best boat name one it has a story but two there's irony there because if they're looking at a huge yacht and it's called epic fail they're going well, what's the failure? He's got a huge yacht. So I love it. Great job. And, it, and it, I guess the advantage would also be it filters out all the people I wouldn't want to have on my boat. <laughs> they get it uh, and they pad those things. Those are people I want to I want to hang out with and take a boat ride with. There you go. You, there's that too. Perfect. Well, in closing, um, Alan, is there anything that when you think about fatherhood and this Father's Day, is there, there one key piece you'd love to leave our listeners with? Yeah, I think it's just meeting your meeting your kids with where, where they're at. Um, in fact, my wife gave me that advice, you know, when he was a preteen. If I could go back and kind of engage with that philosophy from the very beginning, and I and I think I did because he, you know, when they're younger, they're exploring. So wherever you want to take them, it's you're kind of leading them on a 
a journey to explore and, and, and try new things. So I think just you know being very aware and very, being very intentional um, and taking that time uh, to think about what you want to message. You know that's that's I think probably the hardest thing. You know, is taking that time to think, which we it's a skill that we we don't do. We encourage all of our people in our companies to carve out time, some time in the day, 15, 30 minutes just to think and not do. And taking that time, if you're carving out, to think, how do I want to be intentional and what are the messages I want to relate to my child? And that's really my emphasis for writing this book is essentially uh, it's what all the things I want my son to write. So if, if you ever do read that book, um, it's really the, the one person, the only person I have is the target audience is my son. That's the letter I'm writing to him, essentially. That could be very helpful to others, but you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a great forcing mechanism for me to, to think more and be more intentional about the messages and things I want to pass on to him. Incredible, Alan. Well, it's been an awesome interview. I'm sure some of our listeners would love to get in touch with you and to learn more and to follow you. And based on all this great information you provided and the, and the incredible father that you are, um, how can our listeners find you or follow you? Uh, well, uh, you can do it on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. Uh, P. Allen Young Jr. is my LinkedIn profile. P. Allen Young is Instagram. And uh, those are two ways you can reach out. Also email um, a young at 10x5.com, 10xfibe.com. Perfect. And that is Allen with an A, everyone. Alan, it has been such a pleasure. Happy Father's Day to you. Happy Father's Day to your dad. Thank you so much for being on the show. You're an incredible asset in my life. I thank you so much for the role you've played in helping me be a better man and a better father and for all this great advice that's going to help fathers everywhere that listen to this show. Until next time, this is the Daddy Saturday podcast. Stay tuned for our next episode. And Go be an intentional and a great dad that raises good kids that become great adults. Have a great Daddy Saturday.